All right, good. You know, sometimes they say in like speaking, speaking classes, if you want to be heard, like get quieter, because it makes everybody get quieter. Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Second City Church. How you doing? Great. Happy last day of Advent, because you know, if you were not prepared yet, in seven days from today, it is Christmas. So whatever your traditions are, whatever gifts you got to get, whatever meals you got to go get ingredients for and start defrosting, now is the time. That is my public service announcement to everybody here to help alleviate some of your stress and anxiety. Uh, but guys, I'm super excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, if we haven't had the great, uh, if I haven't had the great pleasure of meeting you yet and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, um, my name is Cole and I'm associate pastor here, along with lead pastor Ryland Fisher, who you guys are so blessed to have preaching most of the time here at Second City Church. And in the in the spirit of Christmas and giving, can we just just give a uh, a thank you to the Fisher family for giving and Rollin Fisher for giving to us on such a regular basis. Thank you guys so much. We are super blessed. Yes. Yeah. Well, guys, we are we're going to jump right into it this morning. Uh, you know, we started uh, our new series called While You Were Sleeping. And so Pastor Rollin took us through Luke chapter one last week. And we learned about uh, Zechariah. We learned about um, Elizabeth, and we learned about Mary and Joseph and, and what all they went through in order to be a part of God's plan. And today, we're going to just slow it down a little bit, okay? We're going to focus in. Is that okay? Rollin graciously, oh, let me hit my timer so I don't, do you guys remember that story in the New Testament where Paul preached all night and the dude fell out of the window and died? No? Okay, well, we'll try to prevent that today. Yeah, I did start the timer, okay? But we're going to slow it down just a little bit, and we're going to focus in on what has really blessed my heart throughout the Christmas season, year after year. And we're going to look at simply a song written by a young girl under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And you guys probably know what I'm talking about in Luke uh, 1, 39 through 56, or specifically 46 through 56, and it is the Magnificat, the song of Mary, the magnificent praise that comes from a heart that has been raptured and captivated by the glorious God, not just in her life, but through all of eternity as we recognize who he has been, not only for us, but to humanity from the beginning all the way up to our time and who he has promised to be in the future. Does anybody want to get just enthralled in worship of our living God? Because do you know that, in his, and I, I will get to the notes. This is why I always preach so long, because I don't get to the notes in time. But do you know that the scripture promises and tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy? Anybody need some joy in your life? Need joy not only in this season, but joy that is everlasting? And not only joy that is everlasting, but joy that grows. Joy that gets greater the longer that you walk with him, the longer you abide in him. Well, the way that you do that is by cultivating a life of worship. A life that is always positioned, a heart that is always postured to receive from him. Now, not only with that, does anybody want to be useful to the king as well? 
Does anybody want to be a witness because of what he's done in your life and you know other people need it? It's the same thing. When you cultivate a heart of worship, when you let him be who he is and you are filled with that joy, how many of you know that that is a sign and a wonder? We're about to go through an amazing series at the beginning of the year uh, where we're going to have a week of consecration set apart and just allow God to speak, to allow God to form us, to prepare us for what he wants to do this year. And the theme of that is going to be miracles. But how many of you know a joyful people, despite their circumstances, is a sign and a wonder to an onlooking world around them? To your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your family who know you so well, right? Is our family perfect? Oh, by no means. No, no, no. Were there tiffs this morning? Oh, yes. Right? But you know what? We're staying together. Right? Because we have joy that goes beyond it. We have not only joy, but the hope of joy to come. And so it is joy everlasting. Uh, but before we get started, let's pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we, we choose, like King David said, we choose to settle our hearts. We choose to let you feed us from by your spirit through your um, uh, through your word today. Lord, we ask that you would cultivate in us a heart of worship by allowing us to see you as you are, that we may uh, worship you in spirit and in truth, that our joy may be full because uh, you're having your way with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now we'll get some get to some written statements. So if you want something like clear and concrete to write down. Oh, by the way, college students, where are you? Yes, there are a couple here, but most of you are online because you left already. If you were here online, I need you to type in that box right now and let us know we miss you. You matter. You are important. You make a difference when you are here. So we love you. I just wanted to say that because this would be full right now if there were college students here that had not already left. Yeah. Okay. So our focus point for today is, this is what you can write down, because if I ramble, you can take this home with you. Focus. By God's gift of faith, we can welcome Jesus and begin worshiping him as Lord and Savior this Christmas. By God's gift of faith. We can welcome Jesus and begin worshiping him as Lord and Savior this Christmas. That is our focus point because we need to know that faith is a gift. Do you know that? But now whether you have great faith or not depends on how you steward that gift. How you cultivate it, how you posture it. But the fact that you have heard the gospel, the fact that you have entertained the thought that there may have been a miraculous intervention into a lost and sinless world by the Son of God, that's a gift from God that you heard the gospel, and it's a gift of God that you would even entertain it. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. It's all by him, through him, and for him, and we are just partakers and um, participants in this great plan of history. Okay, we have only two points today. You usually get three points, but because it's almost Christmas, we're going to keep saying you get two points today. Our main points we're going to take home, number one, is welcoming the Lord. Simply welcoming the Lord. And number two is worshiping the Lord, our Savior. Because when you've learned how to welcome him, you will learn that he's not only the Lord, but he's your Savior, and he's our Savior. So first point, welcoming the Lord. Uh, it is the Holy Spirit that works in us to welcome the Lord Jesus in a manner worthy of who he is. 
It is the Holy Spirit who works in us to welcome the Lord Jesus in a manner worthy of who he is. And now we're going to read Luke 139 through 45 to see what the scripture says about how to welcome the Lord Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And thank you so much, Kendall, for dealing with my late notes. I so appreciate you getting those in there. All right, now we can read. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste. Everybody say with haste. Into the hill country to a town in Judah. And by the way, scholars most likely think that was Hebron, which was a very special holy place to the patriarchs where God fulfilled a lot of his promises. So it's very interesting. Uh, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And if you remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth had just experienced early in this chapter the miracle of being old and past the age of becoming pregnant, and she was barren, but they were righteous. She's of the tribe of Aaron, which was the priestly tribe, and Zechariah. They lived a whole life that God said that they were pure and blameless. Like, they, they, they basically led a great life, and there was no reason why they should be barren. And so that leads us to know that it was just because of God's timing, which Pastor Rollin made that point for us last week. Uh, it says, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, or leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And we're going to stop right there for the first point, which is welcoming the Lord. And so what we see here is that Mary was told previous to this by direct angelic revelation that the Savior would be born through her. You guys remember that? The angel Gabriel came, met with her. He wanted to make it very clear. God didn't want her to freak out. Um, He wanted to know that this is from me. However, Mary still had some questions. She's like, this, this, okay, I get you, but this doesn't make sense. How is this going to happen? And so it's very important that we understand the posture that her heart was in. It was not one of disbelief or rebellion, but it was a posture of how. How can this be? It was more like a wonder, right? Everybody say wonder. Wonder. We hear about the wonder at Christmas. When when God is doing a wonderful thing, it is appropriate to wonder and to ask questions to God. He's not afraid of your questions. And so it's important that we know that when God is fulfilling a promise that he's made to you and to his people, when he wants to use you, he won't let you miss it if you're waiting expectantly. He won't let you miss it. Can we all say goodbye, FOMO? FOMO. (laughs) And for for those who don't, I guess, watch TV or FOMO is fear of missing out, right? Fear of missing out. When we are postured correctly before the Lord in a state of wonder and humility, as Mary was, we don't have to worry about missing it. You're not going to miss it. God will fulfill his plans for your life. They will come to pass if you're waiting expectantly. So that begs the question is, what does it look like to wait expectantly, right? All right, well, here's a a little list for you. This is some of our application then that we can take from the scripture. Waiting expectantly means loving God proactively. 
He's loving God proactively. And here are a couple of things you can do to cultivate that heart and to wait expectantly. Number one, always talking with him in prayer. Be cultivating a conversation with God. Don't wait until you just get into those crunch moments where it's like, if God doesn't come through, I'm going to die, or I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to like lose my, lose my marriage, or I'm going to, you know. Don't wait until you get into emergency situations. Be talking to him constantly in prayer. Number two, constantly confessing and renouncing sin as it comes up. Spiritual maturity, I think, is more maybe properly defined not in how, how often you sin, but how quick do you repent when you sin. How quick do you confess it and renounce it and get back up? You know, Proverbs says that though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. He gets back up. So don't stay down. Be talking to him. And as soon as he brings it up, just deal with it with him. That's an expectant heart that is set apart and ready for every good work that he wants to do in you. Number three, reading his word, a.k.a. the Bible. How often? What Joshua tells us, if you want to live a successful life, we should meditate on it day and night. Day and night. Have some bookends on your day. Anybody need more structure in your life? Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I need more structure in my life. I started to get the Dunlap disease. Anybody know what Dunlap disease is? It's where your belly Dunlapped over your belt. And it's usually because you ain't got no structure in your life. And you're just kind of everywhere. All right, number four. Hiding his word in your heart. This is serious, guys. Hiding his word in your heart through scripture memorization. Psalms says that. How can a young man keep his way pure? But if you're going to live for eternity, guess what? No matter how old you are watching this, you are young. Okay, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, by hiding his word in your heart, basically. So a life of scripture memorization. You don't just let the word just wash over you, but you make a, you, you dig a hole for it so that it can be planted, right? By memorizing and meditating on it so that it's always on your lips and it's always ready. And what that cultivates in you and me is it lets us know what God's voice sounds like. Does anybody have one of those smart speakers, like the, specifically the Google one? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, anybody done the voice matching? Yeah? Where, like, so there's this thing where it will recognize your voice by you speak certain phrases, and it trains it to listen to your voice. So what happens is, is that God is training us to hear his voice when we memorize his word, because we know what his voice sounds like, so you can immediately remember how in the scripture we just read... How quick did Mary go to investigate the thing that was told to her? It said, you said it out loud with me, with haste, right, quickly. When you know God's voice and you're able to discern quickly whether that's him speaking to you or not, you can go with haste and not miss the moment. What is this, number five? One, two, three, four, five. I actually didn't number them. I just put dots. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, number five. So not only knowing his word and knowing his voice sounds like, but cultivating a lifestyle of obedience. Everybody say obedience. Okay, say, say the next one with me too. Submission. Right. Submission. Coming under his mission. Right. So you want to actually obey what you hear. Why? God wants you to have a clear conscience. Why? Just so you can feel good? No. 
so that you can be confident that you've heard him correctly and you know his voice, right? He wants you to be confident, and so you need to obey him. Number uh, six, I think this is, go to church. Go to church. We're going to talk a little bit about that more in a moment, but go to church. God has promised to be present and to command his blessing when his people are together. He's promised to actually move in authority when his people are together as the church. So go to church. I, I don't want to be controversial here because there's a lot of theology we can get into, but it's not optional. For the person who says, I really love God, I know his word, the more that you learn what he has said is pleasing to him and is for your benefit, church does not become optional once you learn his word and what he wants for you. So go to church. Okay, and then I would say even to cultivate that heart of expectancy, go to community group. Go to community group. Go deep with people. Get discipled. Open up your heart and your life to be transparent with those around you so that they can speak to you as well. Because who, who, does anybody here have the entire Bible memorized? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> Do you know that somebody at your community group may actually know some of God's word that you don't know yet? Or maybe they've been cultivating and God's speaking to them, and he'll actually speak to God to them for you? Go to community group. So does, that, does that happen here Sunday morning? Sometimes. But guys, we, we only rent this place for a couple of hours each Sunday. You know what I mean? You cannot go as deep and receive as much as God wants for you just here on a Sunday morning. So go to community group. And then last one, and then we'll move on. You can cultivate a heart of expectancy so that you don't miss it by serving. Serving. There's that old cliche, but I love it. I love cliches and dad jokes. Ugh. God, God can't steer a parked car, right? When you are in motion and when you're serving, man, God can just, just steer you if you're, if you're surrendered to him, right? And so what I mean is we talked about obedience, all the things that he's already said that he wants for you and that are good for you to do. As you are doing them, he can steer you and align you for the other things that he wants to do. Because how many know that God had to move entire civilizations? Like he had to move the entire Roman Empire to get Mary and Joseph into Bethlehem. Literally. There was a census for an entire empire just so they could both be there at the exact time that they needed to be there. And so when you're moving, God will move everything to make sure that you're where you need to be. All right, let's move on from there. Okay, so... These disciplines keep your heart soft and your spiritual ears and eyes open. To help Mary believe, Gabriel told her the testimony of her cousin Elizabeth being six months pregnant, though she was previously barren. And this is God's perfect timing so that Elizabeth would visibly be pregnant for Mary. Because how many knows, how many of you know when you're six months pregnant, like you start to show by then, right? It's no longer like, she might be pregnant, she might not be. I don't know, are you lying to me? We're not going to go too much into the biology there. Now's not time for it. But at six months, you can just be like, yep, you're pregnant, most likely. And so um, this is God's perfect timing so that Elizabeth would visibly be pregnant for Mary to discern that God had done what he said. 
And as the title of our message, God had done it while Mary was sleeping. He did it six months ago. Before Mary ever knew that God was about to bring about the birth of the Savior of the world and use her to do it, a girl from the backwater town of Galilee. And side note, when you look at a map, you've got Jerusalem, the city, Judea, right around it. Uh, Judea, which is a little north, right? Then Samaria, and then Galilee. Do you know what that means? According to Acts 1.8, it says, Go into all the earth, starting with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. She might as well have been from the ends of the earth. There was like no expectation for her being in the midst of God's work in Jerusalem. So he aligned things perfectly to confirm what God had spoken to her. Right? He did it. That's how awesome he is. But now what we see is that Mary chose. Everybody say she chose. She chose to welcome God's word. To welcome what God was saying he was going to do by quickly investigating Elizabeth's condition, as we said earlier. She didn't just think about it, no. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and your cousin Elizabeth is already six months along, and so she went to investigate so that her faith could be confirmed, so that she could be edified in what God was doing. And so after Jesus, so another another. Um, testimony of this happening, of how important it is to go investigate when God begins to tell you something, is with Thomas. You guys remember Doubting Thomas in the New Testament? Let's look at his story real quick. After Jesus' resurrection, we see Thomas quickly, again, with haste within the first week of the resurrection. He he said, I'm never going to believe unless I see. But let's just read the scripture. I'm sorry. I don't have to tell the story. And so we see Thomas, within the first week of the resurrection, investigating or welcoming the claims of the other disciples who said Jesus had resurrected. John, John 20, 24 through 29, which I don't think we have it up here, which is fine, says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Ooh, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Look at that. I'll never believe, but what do you do? He kept hanging out with them. He, I think deep down he's like, is it real? He just didn't want to seem like not scientific. You know what I mean? Especially in our culture. If you're like, oh, that's, that's possible, you can be shunned just for saying something is possible sometimes. And so he hung around, says Thomas was with them, and although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, right? So the story of Mary going and investigating to see if this was really true, even though it hadn't come to pass yet. The story of Thomas, right? This all leads us to say you are blessed when you take God's word at his word. Though you have not seen it yet, 
It's going to come to pass. He wants you to believe and not disbelieve. Timing is important to investigating God's words as we are not promised tomorrow. Our eternal destination is based on our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, sent to save all who repent and believe. So my question for us today, everybody here and everybody watching is, have you investigated the promises and claims in the Bible? Or have you despised them, here's the key, through neglect? Are you in a valley of decision right now where you're like, ah, I'm just not sure. That's okay if you are. We just saw Mary, right? She needed to go investigate. Even though an angel had come and spoke to her, even though as a good Jewish teenage girl, she had been raised to know the scriptures and the prophecies that were made, she still needed to go investigate. There is no uh, stigma with investigating. Please investigate. Do all the investigating you need to do. Do you need to read God's Not Dead? Please do it. Do you need to do the scientific research and read all it? Please do it. Just don't wait. Don't stop investigating. Don't stop searching, right? Timing is important with this. Because Mary responded, oh, sorry, missed it. Okay, when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's home in the hill country of Judah, immediately, seemingly before Elizabeth was informed of Mary's pregnancy, we see the Holy Spirit confirmed through Elizabeth to Mary the word of God through Gabriel. So this is just a point to highlight that Elizabeth knew by the Holy Spirit what had happened to Mary, that she was pregnant with the Son of God before Mary told her. Who, that was for Mary. That was so that Mary would be encouraged and known. And so because of that, uh, Mary responded to God's word in humility. Um, I'm sorry. Here's the point. We should not say, if only God would speak directly to me, I would believe and submit. Because even Mary, in good company with many others in the Old Testament, as the highly favored one, needed an older, wiser mentor with the Holy Spirit to confirm what God had spoken. And so I think this is God speaking to us um, to fight against um, the, the spirit of isolation, really. Yeah, there's a time to ponder. There's a time to really meditate on what God has said. But don't disca discount needing mentorship in the community of Christ and discipleship in your life, even if you have a word from God. Even if God has told you specifically, and you were like, you would stake your life on it. Still, don't discount it. Don't be isolated. Please um, get that mentorship. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And so don't, don't underestimate the power of church community and one-to-one -one discipleship on your personal work, walk with God. And the application question for us is, are you in a community group or discipleship relationship? We call them community groups, but what they really are is discipleship groups. Jesus didn't say just go and build community. No, he said he would build his church. He said for us to go and make disciples. And so we have these discipleship groups. We have one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, discipleship relationships. And if, yeah, if, if you are either in a 
community group or discipleship relationship or you're like willing to help somebody else get involved, can you raise your hand so people can look around here? Yeah. Yeah, guys, there are people just waiting to help you get involved if you want to. Now, this is just a side caveat, but I think it would be really, um, it would be wrong for us to miss this right now in our current um, time frame that we live in. What we see in that scripture that we just read about how to welcome what God is doing by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to have eyes to see what the scripture is saying. And one of the things it was saying is that the baby John, remember Elizabeth, six months pregnant, there was a six-month unborn baby named John who left in Elizabeth's womb under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This baby was six months old and unborn, yet he had a name. He could leap. And most importantly, he was moved by the Holy Spirit to experience the emotion of joy. It says that the baby leapt for joy. God loves and uses yet to be born babies. Now we can apply that very you know, practically to unborn babies. But you know what? You can also apply that to the seed of what God is doing, uh, the seed of God's word in your life as well. Christ being formed in you. Don't despise the day of small beginnings either. Right? And so Elizabeth displays great humility as an older woman honoring a teenage girl because of the favor of God in her life. And this is a great example of church life that we honor each other because of God's favor in Christ above all else. This is how we are to live as the people of God, right? We're to honor one another, not because of our accomplishments, but because of the favor that the gospel has been given to us, right? That Christ has been revealed to us. And that is where um, our honor comes from. Okay, quick quote, and then we're going to power through the rest of it because we're coming up on our time. All right, anybody else love the Matthew Henry commentary? Yeah, you know why I love it? Because it's in the public domain. <laughs> that means it is old, it is tested, and it has made it through. But Matthew Henry's commentary on Luke 145 says that the faithfulness of God is the blessedness of the faith of the saints. The faithfulness of God is the blessedness of the faith of the saints. Those that have experienced the performance of God's promises themselves should encourage others to hope that he will be as good as his word to them also. Basically, Saint moving, saying, I will tell you what God has done for my soul. And that leads us in to the second and last point as we read the Magnificat. And the second and last point is magnifying our Lord and Savior. First, we have to welcome him as he is. Can't despise him. We can't put it out, but we need to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, investigate and see what he, see what he would do, right? And then we can move from welcoming him to worshiping him as he is. But the first step is we just got to let him in. All right, so before we read the scripture, uh, which is the Magnificat, we're going to look at just a couple of things. And so our takeaway point from this section is those who are most joyful and blessed are those with lives that magnify God our Savior. If you want your life to be as full of joy and as full of true blessedness as it can be, it must be a life that not only acknowledges, but that magnifies our Lord and Savior. 
I wish Tim Pritzel was here today. If you're watching online, Tim, he's the only person I know who's an ophthalmologist. And so I couldn't help but uh, uh, get excited about the illustration of a magnifying glass. Anybody in here, you're a little kid, you like to burn ants with a magnifying glass? Yeah? You know why that happens, right? Yeah? Well, it's because, Tim, you're going to tear this up probably when I see you, but... The way a magnifying glass works is, number one, it's clear. It's a clear lens. You can see through it, right? It's not dark. And Mary's about to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. So we got to have a clean, clear soul, right? And that's by the blood of Jesus, okay? Number two, it's a convex lens. You see these glasses? They are not concave. They are convex. They're like my belly right now. They're, they're rounded outward, right? And so that's the power of the magnifying glass. It takes the light, so think about our soul, right? It takes the light that comes into it, it refracts it and bends it and focuses it, and it produces a change. It magnifies it. It doesn't make the thing, it's magnifying bigger. Can you make God bigger? Lofty theological question, right? For theologians. No, you can't make God bigger. But can you magnify him? Can you help him seem to others as big as he really is when he has his way with your life? Yes. You, your soul, can magnify the Lord. And that's all I got. I wish I had more scientific stuff or new about magnifying glasses. Okay, so what we see here is, it has now been confirmed by the Holy Spirit as we're going into the Magnificat, speaking through Elizabeth, that God was fulfilling his word to Mary and to all generations. Say all generations. all generations. So not just Mary, but all generations, past, who believe the promise God made to Abraham. So all those promises to Abraham and to the patriarchs, like God is going to use you. He's going to make your offspring a, a blessing to all the nations of the earth, right? And the Savior of the entire world is going to come through him. This, Mary recognized that this, this blessedness of having Christ formed in her was not just for her. And that's why she was able to magnify, because she was able to remember the convex lens, its outward shape. She was able to take her eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit from just being inward and worrying about her and herself and what God was going to do with her life. Does her life matter? And he turned them outward and upward. And she was able to see all the promises. This is why you need to know history, biblical history. You won't properly be able to magnify God, which once you won't receive the full joy of seeing all that he's done until your eyes get off of yourself. And I don't just mean your current generation, that's good, but I'm talking about the past, the present, the future. You want to see God's glory from beginning to end because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? A, magnificent response, a magnificent response to Elizabeth's confirmation of God's blessing on Mary is the Magnificat. And just for you uh, scholars out there, this name is from the first word of the song in the Latin Vulgate version. And this song starts small with God's work for Mary. And I'm telling you this before we read it. So as you read it, 
you'll be able to maybe have a framework, right, to, to, to experience it a little better. The song starts small. We could say small, but it's not that small. It wasn't small to Mary. It starts small with God's work specifically for Mary. And then you're going to see it expands to the whole nation of Israel. And then it ends with the whole world and Abraham's offspring, who are his offspring by faith in Jesus Christ, being blessed. And this is a pattern of worship and praise. It can start with you and what God's done in your life. The sin that Jesus has washed away. The forgiveness. The weight being taken off of your back that was crippling you as you walked around. The depression that he's brought you out of because you know that the God who needs nothing died for you. Why? Because he delights in you. Did you deserve it? No, you're a sinner. It can start with you. But it must end with every nation. It must continue on. And so, you guys ready to read it? Yeah? Is it okay if we read it together? It's not long. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. We'll read, I'll lead it, so if you can't keep up, I'll, I'll be the one leading it. All right? And so, we're going to start, okay, we're going to start right here. All right, in three, two, one. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Did you guys see it? Did you see the glory of the Lord that went from Mary to Israel to Abraham's offspring? Yes, that is my prayer for us this Christmas. That it, Yes, it'll be about us, but it won't just be about us. It'll be about Christ and his saving work for the entire world. That way, when we see that little baby in the manger, we're going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I can barely comprehend this because I can't see into the future and I can't really see the past. But I see your promises and I hear the testimonies. Oh, God, I just want us to be overwhelmed this Christmas. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. Well, guys, that, that is it. The worship team, if you want to come forward, I'm going to read my summary statement here just to wrap it all up. My summary statement here is that when Mary asked how God's eternal miraculous purposes for humanity and herself would come to pass, he provided a contrast, a foil, by pointing to his miracle work and someone on the opposite end of the social uh, age religious spectrum that he had already begun his miracle-saving work in. And he provided a testimony for Mary to investigate. 
if she and we follow the dots God leaves for us in his word and in the current testimonies of God's people, we too will find him faithful. This will build our faith and elicit great praise like Mary's song, the Magnificat. God will not get bigger, but our esteem will lower, making room for how big God really is to shine through us. And like Mary, this Christmas, we will magnify the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we ask that right now, Lord, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would be magnified, Lord. Lord, where we need to be cleansed by, by the blood of Jesus so that we can be uh, clean in our souls to be that clear lens, Lord, where our eyes need to be turned outward. God, we ask that you would do it for us right now, that you would receive the worship that is due you, that your people would receive the great joy of having you as our Lord and Savior. And we ask you to do it today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know what song's next, but I'm sure it's going to be good. Let's switch out.